Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. The Go Radio Football Show with The Taxi Centre. Hosted by Rob McLean, John Hartson and Stephen Cregan. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Let's go! Today was the day St Mirren got themselves a Jim Goodwin replacement. His departure to Aberdeen was exclusively revealed right here on Friday's show. Taking over in Paisley is former Motherwell manager Stephen Robinson. Our own Stephen Cragen knows him well. What are St Mirren getting, Craggs? Well, they're getting a dedicated manager. Someone who knows Scottish football. Uh, he doesn't claim to be the best in the business, but he certainly wants to be. He's hardworking. He's got a proven track record in Scotland of producing young players, integrating them into the first team, um, making players better, selling them on for a profit. So they're certainly getting someone who probably comes back to Scotland with a little bit of unfinished business. Naturally, when he left Motherwell, things weren't the way he wanted them to be. So they're getting someone back who's hungry for success. And I think St Mirren are on the cusp of doing something special. And I hope, because Stephen's a friend of mine, that he, that he can take the club forward. Yeah, there was talk of Stephen Naismith, likes of Scott Brown in the air. Uh, but it is Stephen Robinson, uh, a man who is proven at succeeding in Scottish football. What a job he did at Far Park. And he left there just over a year ago. Borussia Dortmund are battling to get star man Erling Haaland fit for Ibrox on Thursday as they look to turn around Rangers' 4-2 lead from Germany. Celtic are Norway bound with a 3-1 scoreline against them in the Conference League. But on Sunday, the results went in Celtic's favour. They're three points ahead in the title race after Rangers hit trouble at Tannadice. How big a day John Hartson was that at the top of the Premiership? How significant could it prove to be? Well, it was a huge day in terms of Celtic had to react. They had to win. They left it very, very late. Brilliant hat-trick from Yakamakis to beat the bottom club, Dundee. Uh, but you know what it's like, Rob, over the years. We've seen it many times. You have to react to the morning kickoff or the early kickoff, if you like. And Rangers slipped up at Dundee United for the second time this season, away up there. And Celtic capitalised. But it'll be the same next week. Celtic will play the early game. And, you know, Rangers will obviously have one eye on that result. And then you have to react to the, to the earlier result. But uh, to think that Celtic were, what, six points behind no less than a month ago, and now they're three points in front, level pegging. You know, they've been on a great run uh, domestically, and obviously both clubs um, have huge games in Europe Thursday night, but Sunday was uh, was a big day for Celtic, you know. It's 11 games to go, Crags. Three points of mm-hmm. an advantage. Uh, how big did you think those results were Sunday? Well, they were in the context of it because... Celtic have found a way to win games over the past couple of months. Maybe games where they haven't played particularly well or they've missed a few chances. They've always hung in there. When you think of the mid-December going to Ross County and winning 97th minute winner, 
you know, that they turned that one around. Dundee United, just after the new year, they managed to turn it around. Or, sorry, got the late winner, 90th minute. And then the weekend, I think 86 minutes, Jakimakis gets the winner. So they've found a way to win games. They've turned three points potentially into nine. Whereas Rangers, since they went their break, Aberdeen draw, Ross County draw, Dundee United draw, they've turned nine points into three. So that's a 12-point swing. Mm. So one team has momentum and is finding a way to win games. I mean, I heard a lot of people talking about it. I think Barry was on last night. Craig Moore, who's on the show, I've heard him talking, saying the performance was fine, everything's great. This time of the season, performances are completely irrelevant. It all comes down to winning games of football. You know, they would rather have it the other way around, playing poorly and winning. I'm not saying Celtic are playing poorly, but at times when they're not at their best, they manage to get themselves over the line. And every time they do so, or every time they've done so, it's almost another little kick at Rangers because it's like, ah, they've let points slip. So it's all about capitalising when your rivals come up short. Rangers come up short on Sunday with a result, not with their performance or the chances created, but that doesn't matter at this stage of the season. It's about putting the ball in the back of the net and getting three big points. Georges Yakimakis made headlines at the weekend, not just for his first Celtic hat-trick, but what he had to say afterwards. So I think that uh, with this hard work, we can achieve many things. The squad is really good. I think it's the best in, uh, in the league. I think we're a well-prepared team for every single game. We have a very good plan. We try to, to, to stay committed in, uh, in, the, in the plan. I think we're we better in every single, every single part of, uh, of the team. We showed uh, that we're a better team. That's obvious. We showed that we work harder in the field. I hope that and I, I think that we will win the championship. It's something that we really want for us and uh, for the club and for the fans. So I think Celtic will win the title, says Georgios Yakimakis. Um, and Celtic are better in every department. John Hartson, what do you think? Well, he'll learn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if he's got a Twitter account or not. <laughs> Maybe not anymore. <laughs> no, but uh, obviously showing great confidence there. He's, he's obviously on a, he's on a high, having scored his first hat-trick for the club. He's made a big difference as well. He's come in, he's been that focal point. Totally different striker to, uh, to Kyogo and Maeda, who's also played up there. But he'd be delighted with his hat-trick. I thought the third goal was brilliant. You know, the diving header, he was brave. He got in there. His, his first goal as well, the twist and turn, uh, which beat the goalkeeper. And that's what Celtic centre-forwards have to do. We've seen it from Rangers centre-forwards in the past. You have to be in a position to go and win your team games and, you know, be, be the outstanding player on the pitch and go and get the goals that you were brought in to do. We saw it at, um, you know, Eredivisie when he when he was uh, top goal scorer in the league. His team went down, but he's come, He's you know, he's stuck in there. He's had regular games. The manager really likes him. He gives a, gives the team a different option. You can play it into the box. You can play, you can cross it in. You know he's going to try and get on the end of things. And that'll do him the world of good. Great confidence. And you can see that he's a confident boy with his comments, you know, but... Uh, as I said, he's uh, you know there's nothing wrong with saying that if you think it, um, but as I said, sometimes you can uh, maybe wait until until the deal is done before you go out on a limb and say things. But that's what I've gone wrong in the past. <laughs> Was Sunday Crags the day Georgios Yakimakis arrived as a Celtic striker and showed us why he did score the best part of thirty goals in the Netherlands top flight last season? Well, you get the feeling he's been building up to it. There's been little parts of his game that have been good. He's got himself some goals. But that'll be the one that will convince him a little bit more. Of course, you still have always have to convince supporters and, and board members and opposition players and whoever else. But I think that will give him the belief, Rob, to really go and kick on. I think John said it. You know, his array of goals, poacher's goals, all within, what, double six-yard box? 
You know, you talk mm. about, and I've done it previously, when you're looking at stats of goals, I think something like 80-odd or over 80% of goals are scored in the double six-yard box. And he got three in there. You know, you can't fail to score goals at Celtic as a centre-forward if you're a penalty box centre-forward with Jota and Abada, Turnbull when he's fit, Rogic, O'Reilly, Juranovic, Greg Taylor's deliveries. You, you should be scoring a, a number of goals. And the presence that he has, the physicality, John's right, he gives him something different. And it's probably something they lacked last Thursday against Boda. You know, they couldn't just throw the ball forward and it wasn't taken in. Maeda is a runner, he wants to go in behind. His link-up play probably has to improve. His uh, build-up play and hold-up play has to improve. Jakimakis attracts the ball. He attracts defenders. He allows players to come close to him. He allows players to run beyond him because he can hold the ball. He's a different type of striker. And I think he'll start on Thursday night. I mean, why would he not? He scored a mm. hat-trick. He's, you know, he can't wait for the next game to come around. With regards to his comments, I don't have any problem with him. You know, I keep hearing people saying, well, Rangers should pin that up on their dressing room wall and read that. Yeah. If Rangers players, and this is, this is not coming from the Rangers players, but if they can't motivate themselves to go and win a title, you can't rely on an opposition player motivating you to go and win it. Yes, you might use it as fuel to get the players going, but it, it really shouldn't be, you know, a big thing. He said something, that's what he believes. So what, move on with it. Yeah, well, he was arriving as a striker, getting his first hat-trick on the day that Rangers just struggled so badly to get the ball in the back of the net at Tanadai. So many opportunities. 29 chances we created today. Uh, well enough to, to win against Dundee United here in their uh, their own ground. But, you know, we didn't. That's why we uh, we lost points. So on the back of that, John, are you, from a Rangers point of view, uh, are they right to be positive about chances created? Maybe on another day they scored three or four? Or worried that when it really matters, when it really mattered on Sunday, uh, they just, apart from Joe Rebo's equaliser, they really struggled to get find the finishing touch. Yeah, on another day, Rob, um, Rangers might have scored four or five goals. I think the one thing that um, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst won't be too concerned about is he'll be happy with, so he'll be positive about, is that they created lots and lots of chances. I never minded as a striker missing chances. I missed plenty. If you go through a game and you can't you can't uh, get an opportunity or your teammates are not giving you the right passes, they're not giving you the right um, sort of service, if you like to get on to, that's the time to worry when you're, when you're not getting any opportunities to score. If I got three opportunities in the game and I missed them all, well, I'm thinking, I'm going away thinking, well, I made the right run. The right pass was made for me. And I know eventually if I keep getting into them, positions I will score eventually Morelos has proved that he's he's been a fantastic goal scorer for Rangers he's in the 100 club you keep making him opportunities Sakala Kent with these type of guys Ryan Jack um, they'll deliver they, you know they'll create chances so 29 opportunities at goal is disappointing that he only scored the one goal um, that'll be a bit frustrating but if they keep creating the amount of opportunities they'll score goals and it, 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 but it was role reversed from Thursday night yeah you know, uh, when they yeah, scored four goals, they didn't create 29 chances in Dortmund. No. They just had a ruthlessness, a killer instinct about them on Thursday night where they, they capitalised when opportunities presented themselves to them. You know, and I think probably the longer it went on Sunday, you could see the players tensing up a little bit because they knew what was at stake. They knew Celtic were playing after them and they knew how big getting three points were. And that affects your thinking and affects your timing. You know, you're just desperate to hit the net. All these little things start to build up and it's only going to get worse because with Rangers... Not winning the game on Sunday, it narrows down their room for error. They have very little left now, very little regular room left, Rob. They can't afford to be slipping up in points. Celtic play first on Sunday, make it six points. 
suddenly the pressure builds even more for Rangers playing Motherwell at home. A game you'd traditionally think, if you look over the history, Rangers normally win. Suddenly then it starts to build up and it starts to change a little bit and the nerves kick in and the anxiety goes around the crowd. You know, maybe Celtic have won in the early kick-off if they do against Hibs, so I'm not writing Hibs off. But it all just starts to build and this is going to be like this between now and the end of the season. There were parallels as well at the weekend, weren't there? Because Celtic were behind in their game against Dundee. People start getting twitchy at that point. Rangers, of course, went behind at Tannadice, came back to get a point out of it, but didn't get the three they wanted. Whereas Celtic just found a way. And in the run-in, the title run-in, as you know well, John, it's about finding a way. I think Celtic have a history of scoring late goals. You know, they go to the very, very last kick of the game. You look over the years, the amount of goals they score in the 45th, 46th minute. You know, it's not over. Don't be, don't give up. Great character, spirit in the team. Not to say that Rangers don't have this because they created loads and loads of chances. As I said, on another day, they might have well have gone and scored three or four goals. Um, but Celtic had to, had, to, had to win. They had to react from the earlier result, as we've said. And um, they got it done, you know, a few minutes on the clock. But there were lots of nervy sort of people at Celtic Park thinking, you know, um, we, we've come back again from 2-1 down, 1-0 down, 2-1, came back. Uh, but that's great character. And that, that, that'll that really give the Celtic players, you know, that little bit of, um, you know, they, they will feel it after that. They will feel they can win games. Yeah, they got the bit of luck. They kept going. They scored the third goal. Giacomacus was the hero on the day. But that's, that's what teams do. My United, you should do it. Go to the last kick of the game, late goals. They, they, you know, they, they never stop believing that they can get a goal. And the old saying is, it really takes a second to score a goal. The other way Rangers might have won that game at Tannadice on Sunday was if Bobby Madden had given them a penalty for yeah. a cast-iron appeal when uh, Fashion Sakala's shirt was pulled as he was about, presumably, to put the ball in the back of the net. It would have been uh, either... Well, if he hadn't pulled the shirt, it would have been a goal, should have been a penalty, should have been a red card for, for Ross Graham. And that probably would have meant a Rangers win, Crags, wouldn't it? Well, it would have. There's no doubt Bobby Madden missed it, clearly. I think the penalty in the first half is probably harder to give I still think Ross Graham could have got his hand out of the way for the first one, but it's at his side, he's in a natural position, so he doesn't have to move. The ball does strike his arm. I think it travels far enough for him to move his hand, but because it's in a natural position beside his body, I think it's a very difficult one to give. The second one is, is cast iron. You know, It's a penalty kick, no doubt about it. The player knows he's in the wrong position. Now, how often do you see it? Even in the middle of the pitch, if a player gets turned or he finds himself in the wrong position, the first thing is either they do a reaction, trip someone up or grab a jersey. It's natural instinct. That's when you know you've done something wrong, you're in the wrong position, you hope that the referee doesn't see it. Bobby Madden, you know, if he doesn't see it or he doesn't you know, know anything about it, he can't give it. He can't gamble. So is his positioning wrong? Does his assistant help him out in any way? Is he in the wrong position? But there's no doubt it's a you know, penalty kick, uh, a red card, and Rangers, if they score it, then go on and win the game. But this is the way it's going to be until VAR comes in. I know it's mm -hmm. a conversation we'll have eventually, but until VAR comes in, to help officials. And especially in this season, you know, this is probably the season where the officials are thinking, oh no, because the title race has got to be so close, mm -hmm. there's so much at stake. The officials will know the £40 million that's waiting for the winner of the league. They don't want to be involved in a game that can effectively impact on the title race and they make an individual error and they're mentioned for years to come. So the sooner these guys get help, the better and we can clear up the poor decisions or the decisions that they're not seeing or, the, or, or their positioning improving. But, yeah, it, it, it was a penalty kick, but it wasn't given. 
Is it, is it becoming embarrassing, John, that we don't have VAR? And it, we're not going to have it for some time yet. I mean, end of year, I think would be the best hope for yeah. it. And, and our referees at the moment appear to be going through a really bad time. It's not so much week after week at the moment, it's game after game, isn't it? There are, there are decisions that are blatantly wrong. Yeah, and they're getting far too many wrong. I think I said that last week on the show. Um you, you talk about the blatant ones where every in the ground can see it for some reason the referee don't. VAR will certainly help. There's no doubt about that. It'll clear up um, lots of lots of uh, dubious decisions. Um, but at the end of the day, over the course of a season, they normally level themselves out. Um, Craig's there shouting for another Rangers penalty. There's a shock. <laughs> you just asked to abide by the rules. I mean, I think even the most ardent of Celtic fan will see that's a penalty kick. I mean, if a Celtic player gets pulled two yards from goal and he's about to yeah. tap the ball into the net, I don't imagine John's going to come on and say, no, I didn't think it was a right, penalty. I'm only other laugh. <laughs> no, 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 but I'm saying I, I, Yeah, that, of course. But that's the emotion of, of the title race, which mm. hasn't been around as close as this for the last 10 years because Celtic have been, well, the last, yeah, the last 10 years because nine of those years Celtic were dominant and the one year last season Rangers were dominant. So officials are now thinking, oh, here we go. I'm going to come under the spotlight. So the pressure's on them as well. Mm. Which maybe affects their decision making maybe they're scared to give it whereas VAR what it would do is it would allow them a second look so if they do get it wrong it can be eradicated immediately I mean in England the referees are probably making as many mistakes as what they are in Scotland but they're getting someone else to have a look at it for yeah. them and pass them information so they're not getting highlighted as much because the decisions are getting overturned whereas up here it's just naked eye mm. and sometimes you know, listen, we all work in, in commentary games and co-commentary games how many angles do we have to look at before we think oh there's it there that's yeah. the that's yeah. the point Whereas they're getting one naked eye in a split mm. second. It's a huge call for them. Yeah. I mean, just imagine, I mean, going into those games on Sunday, there was one point between the top two. Just mm. imagine we're going into the final title weekend and you you get a game like that one at Tanadice. Well, get where, it. Where, where there, there are just decisions blatantly got wrong. Well, you can't say, Rob, that's and, not going to happen. And that, and that hands one club... 40 million or, or, not, or not, yeah, depending on how the decision goes. On. And what does VAR cost? I don't know what it costs. Um, they, they well, they're talking about £100,000 a club, aren't what, they? 1.2 yeah. million per season, I think. Yeah. There, there's no talking. guarantees, even with VAR, but what it'll do will give you a, a clearer picture. Um, actually, you know, when, when you've got somebody else, a former referee, um, somebody who's not got allegiance with mm. either club, that's difficult to find because you think, well, who's behind the screen? Who's deciding these VAR sort of decisions? Um, so there will there will be different types of. So you suggest the referees make decisions based on what team they support? Um, not really. No, I, I, that's just what I thought it sounded like. No, not really. I'm no. just saying that you know there will be question marks over um, who's behind the VAR, mm -hmm. um, and it will just be somebody that has to have. Yeah, because you have a human totally you know, neutral. You have the you have the VT available to you, and that allows you to make a better mm. decision. But you still need competence and credibility in the VAR area, in the same way that you need competence and credibility on the pitch yeah. among the officials. But to see if there's doubt amongst the VAR group, whoever, if it's one or two referees, throw it to the the referee on field. Allow mm. him to make another. Yeah. look at it and, and make his decision because that's ultimately he's going to carry the can for it. 
A lot to talk about on the show today, and uh, you are welcome to be part of the football discussion as ever. 0808 17 17 700. Uh, what do you think about uh, St Mirren's new manager? We're going to hear from him in the course of the show, Stephen Robinson. Uh, what do you think about those two results on Sunday for the, the top two and the continuing battle down below? Uh, to get into the European places as well. The relegation issue is hotting up. And of course, we're just 48 hours away from a couple of massive matches in Europe. Rangers against Dortmund at Ibrox, 4-2 up. Uh, Celtic against Bodo Glimt in Norway, 3-1 down. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go! Tuesday's Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Rob McLean, Stephen Craig and John Hartson dealing with all the football issues arising from the weekend. We're still thinking back to those results on Sunday. Dundee United won, Rangers won. And Celtic striking late through the hat-trick man. Georges Yakimakis to win 3-2 against Dundee. Uh, Dundee play St Mirren tomorrow night. And St Mirren have a new manager as of today. Stephen Robinson is in charge. And it's going to be an interesting little get-together, isn't it? Uh, Dens Crags uh, tomorrow night because uh, Stephen Robinson was Mark McGee's number two, wasn't he? At, at Motherwell and they go head-to-head tomorrow. On two occasions, possibly. On two occasions, I think Stephen went left and went to Oldham mid uh, Mark's tenure and then he came back and joined him so absolutely listen Mark's come in for a little bit of unfair criticism in my eyes you know he doesn't make the appointment he doesn't pick the manager he's asked to go and do a job I think some people have short memories and yes he, he had a disappointing spell at Motherwell at the end and he didn't do well at Aberdeen but you know he knows the game you know the game hasn't changed you still have to score more goals than the opponent to win a game of football so he knows that you know you can talk about the tactical issues and the technical issues he simply has to find a way for his team to win games. That's what he has to do. So I think Stephen's looking forward to it. I spoke to him earlier today. I think he's just desperate for a game to start. When you get yourself into a new job and you get a feel for the players and there's a little bit of momentum about St Mirren, eight games unbeaten, then you can't wait for the next game to come. So, you know, there's a chance of climbing into the top six. St Mirren is still well within striking distance of finishing fourth, as are five or six clubs, Rob. Yeah. So that's why it makes it an exciting end of the season. But, um, yeah, you know, Stephen came up the road because he felt it was a good offer to go to St Mirren. The club are sitting in a good position financially. They've got a good squad. Jim Goodwin, to his credit, year on year, made St Mirren better. You know, on and off the pitch, things got better, the standard of player they brought in. So, you know, he left the club in a good state. It isn't every time you get a job where everything's perfect for mm. you. You normally get it going to firefight if a team's struggling, the team needs rebuilt. You know, the last manager's lost a dressing room, whatever it may be, but certainly... When Jim left, it was because he was going for something better. He thought it was for something better. So an opportunity for Stephen to go and stand as authority on the team. But it certainly will be a nice welcome, I'm sure, between Mark and Stephen tomorrow night. Sure. Well, it all happened very quickly as well for Stephen Robinson. Was, uh, Sonic came completely out of the blue. I took training yesterday at Morecambe and came back to a lot of text messages. You know, I met with the, the chairman of Morecambe and obviously Samarina made a, a big play to get me a great compensation and wanted to speak to me. And, you know, I think you have to take that as a massive compliment. They put their intentions very clear and, you know, I didn't take the decision lightly. It was, you know, with a heavy heart that I do leave because a lot of good people are. The, the people at the time were very good to me as well. But when I spoke to Jim um, and he told me the ambitions, the setup, you know, the training facilities and what they're trying to improve with it, then it was really exciting opportunity that it was very, very difficult for me to turn down. 
and uh, they will go fourth. Uh, John Hartson tomorrow night, two points clear of the rest if they can win that game uh, against uh, Dundee at Dens. Um, and and it's interesting that it was interesting that it all happened very quickly there because there was a lot of talk of Scott Brown, which seemed a bit unlikely because he's not really experienced enough. You would have thought to be a manager of a club at St Mirren's level at the moment. Stephen Naismith was mentioned. Apparently, he was spoken to. Yeah. Uh, they got permission from Hearts and, and they spoke yeah, to him. So they were. Think, they were both spoken to, right? To. As, okay. far, as far as I'm aware, not yeah. from Stephen Tell me, just from other sources. I, I was made aware that both of them were spoken to. Right. They, so they, they, they've gone for somebody who's been done very well in the Scottish Premiership previously mm. uh, when Stephen Robertson was at Motherwell as Craig's alluded to they did a very good job yeah. um, very good at bringing some of the young players through but they're clearly giving him an opportunity on the back of that they're not judging how he's done this season because Morgan are fourth from bottom although they're just promoted aren't they in League One yeah, yeah but they're still fourth from bottom yeah. so you know the job came on him and uh, he's probably thought well you know, you're not doing a great job at Morecambe because they, in the position that they are, it, I'm sure if they were in the top top six, then the you know Morecambe wouldn't have sort of been so uh, kind to sort of give you know Saint Mirren permission to speak to him or pay the you know pay the uh, what they need to, to get him up there. Yeah. But um, you know he's very fortunate as well to come back to the Scottish Premiership, and Saint Mirren have obviously given him that opportunity on the back of what his previous job was like at Motherwell, not on the back of how he's doing right now. See, the way I think a, a deal works, if there's conversation in your contract and it's met, the club that you're at can't hold you back, can't stop you going and speaking. I think that's what happened. They agreed to pay the compensation that Morecambe had. I have no idea what the figure was. What I would say, in Stephen's defence slightly, Morecambe had budgeted, you know, well, it's the lowest budget in the league, so they were aiming to finish fifth bottom. Of course, if they finish above that would have been great, but their aim was to try and stay in that division. You know, from I think last year out of the what many clubs are in England, top, top four flights, they were the lowest budget. Derek Adams got them promoted, so they increased it slightly this season to try and keep themselves in League One. I think Steam took over there was three players under contract. Mm. You know, which is a big turnaround of mm. players. Naturally, of course, you want to win more games, you want to get yourself up the table. So, I'm not saying he achieved what they set out, but it was on target to keep them up. They're only a point off, I think, three or four places above them. So. As the season went on, you never know if we're going to stay up or not. But absolutely, to get a chance to come back to a club like St Mirren, who are moving in the right direction, of course it's a big pull. You know, you only have to look at the standard of player that they have, the experience that they have, the good mix of youth coming through. And you know, the one thing St Mirren have always looked at is their academy. Mm. Guys like John McGinn, Kenny McLean, Ethan Erehon, Jay Henderson, Kyle McGuinness. You know, that that's the kind of players they want to bring young players through. And Stephen showed at Motherwell, he can bring young players through. When you think back to... I, you know, I'm saying the job he done at Motherwell, losing guys like Louis Malt, Cedric Kipre, Jake Casey, David Turnbull, James Scott, Chris Cadden. Not only are you replacing that, you're selling Cedric Kipre for a million pounds. You're having to replace a million pound centre half with someone on 600 quid a week. You know, it mm. doesn't work that way. Mm. And if you're doing that every time you sell a player like that, that, that's why it becomes difficult as a manager in Scotland when, yes, you have a business model of selling your best players on, but how do you replace them and keep moving the club forward? So, you know, as time came to end at Motherwell because, you know, the, I think he had reached his limit and the club had reached the limit and it was time to move on. But he's back with a fresh start and it'll be interesting to see how he does. Just looking at the points accrued uh, in the Premiership over the last six games, Celtic have 18 out of 18. Uh, Rangers have 11 out yeah. of 18. Yeah. So that's uh, explaining what we've been talking about already, uh, how, the, how this turnaround has happened. But right in between them, St Mirren, 14 yeah. points out of 18. 
incredible form over the last last yeah, half dozen games as Stephen Robinson comes in the door. Absolutely, and and um, Jim Goodwin has obviously done a great job. Hence, getting the Aberdeen job. Aberdeen mm. has looked at that, by the way. Not the yeah. only person Rob to look at them stats. Mm. Aberdeen have obviously looked at them clearly and gone. Poof, you know, Jim could do really well here. He's took the job at Aberdeen, and um, you know we wish him well. Timing's everything, though, isn't it? You know, I think we said a couple of weeks ago, mm. pre-Christmas or pre-winter break, 11 games without a win. Six wins out of seven after the winter break and the Aberdeen job comes up. Yeah. Who's hot? Who's doing well? Who's got mm. points? Mm. So, man, have. I mean, I know they probably looked at Jim before Stephen Glass came in. That would have been one of the names, or they reckon that was one of the names under consideration. But if Stephen Glass had left at the end of December or mid-December and he hadn't, you know, and then, he did Aberdeen in a good December but if he had left at that time Jim Goodwin wouldn't have got the job I wouldn't have imagined a little bit of pressure as well on Steve Robinson tomorrow night going to uh, Dundee mm -hmm. because if you look at that record wins, wins, wins under Jim got on a really good run um, and all of a sudden he goes to Dundee fighting for their lives mm. really tough start bottom of the table they'll be buoyed by their performance at the weekend against Celtic mm -hmm. you know um, so listen we could talk about pressure yeah. You know, the top of the table, the bottom of the table, but a difficult start. I think if he wins tomorrow night, the bottom if team. he wins tomorrow night, it's his team. If he loses tomorrow night, it's Jimmy Langfield's team <laughs> from the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I was interested, Craig, what you were saying earlier on that, that you reckon that Mark McGee has had a bit of a hard time since being appointed yeah. to that job. Um, I heard a, I heard the, the an interview with him over the weekend where it was being thrown at him that a lot of the opinion. Um, on his appointment was from from the Dundee fans that this was a pr this was pretty underwhelming was the word used um, and it certainly struck a struck a nerve with him and he hit back and he basically ran through his CV mm. um, and and you know when you do look at Mark McGee's CV it is mighty impressive um, what did do you think he's had a hard time since since getting that job Yeah, I, I just think people have made untoward comments about him, you know, and about his management skills, what he can and can't do. You know, I understand every time you have a management job, you're not successful in it. There's many managers have failed that haven't done well at certain clubs, but there just seems a stigma attached to Mark, whereas uh, just let him get on with his job. Come the end of the season, he knows himself. The only way to answer critics or to keep people quiet, but he was being quoted, or the, the, the interviewer, one of the interviews I heard was asking about um, social media and, and reaction. <laughs> the best well in the world, Mark said, I'm not on social media, I, I, mm. I don't read that. I know, but they're saying, and well, that, that's fine. Listen, if you're on social media every day, there's somebody complaining about something in life. So let him go and do his job. If he keeps him up, the Dundee fans will be happy. If he doesn't, then they'll be unhappy. That's always the nature of the beast when you take a job on like Dundee. You know, people were talking about his friendship with Gordon. Yes, of course, Gordon would have recommended Mark and put Mark's name forward. Mark didn't, sorry, Gordon didn't make the, the selection. He didn't force the club into putting Mark. He would have put his name forward like he would have maybe a couple of other names that if there were three Adams. So... Let him get on with his job. If he keeps him up, then, yeah, he's fine. If he stays beyond that, fine. If he doesn't, well, he moves on. But, you know, the Dundee fans, if it is the Dundee fans, surely have to give him all the support possible. The team need them. The team need a vociferous crowd behind them at Dens Park. They need to win games. Tomorrow night is the first game of three home games in a week. I think the last time they had three home games in a week was just before Christmas and they lost them all. So if they can turn that around to get a little bit of momentum, suddenly they can start to put pressure on teams above. But I just What's think... got five more games, touchline ban? Yeah, right. So he comes back and he can he can be on the touchline for six of the last games, mm -hmm. only eleven to go. Yeah. So how much does that influence the fact that he can't get on the side of the pitch? 
all his work will be on the training mm. ground and obviously in the dressing room before they go out. Well, it didn't do um, them any harm on Sunday, did it? Really? When you, I mean, they lost. They, yeah, they, could, they lost, yeah, but they, but they were minutes away from getting a draw. And to be it was, honest, it was a decent performance yeah, against yeah. against so, the Celtic so, team that so, you know dominated. So, so I didn't. Score. So I didn't think it did them much harm. Did you? That 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 Mark was no, sitting just, up in the I'm stand. I'm just asking because I think a lot of the unrest and a little bit of the criticism you're talking about. And I read a lot of it, and a lot of it was because he had to face a six-game ban mm-hmm. as well. So how much can he really, you know, managers I've worked, you know, listen, like 20 years in the game, do they really influence it that much when they stand on the touchline? Sure. Or generally the work is done leading yeah. up to the game. Do the manager, does he need to be there? I think he's a presence. I mm-hmm. think he is somebody that can sort of point a few things at players and teams and mm. make a little bit of a difference from the side. Whereas you're up in the stand quite yeah. far away. Um, so I think that was an issue with some of the supporters mm-hmm. that he wouldn't actually be be pitch side for the majority of the games that are left, only the last six. Mm-hmm. That, That's not know, his fault. Yeah. He, he didn't he didn't no it's not his fault but a lot no, of people criticising yeah. his appointment well, that's and that, fine, but that was one of the reasons yeah. that yeah. they made for, yeah. for criticising mm. it yeah. criticising the board for that then is fine but not mm. Mm. Put no, it it's on not. the mark no, no. no. you know I hope Mark does well I hope yeah. he does really well yeah. you know, I like Mark Yeah, Mark's a, a clever guy he mm. knows football he knows what he wants he knows the buttons to press he was one of the best man managers I worked under Right. how he conducted himself how he spoke how he picked the moment to go and speak to people if they were having a tough time and he knew when to say something if they weren't having a good time or he think you know, he thought things could have been improved, he used to contact players privately just to make sure everything was all right. So you almost feel as if an empathy towards me, you think, I want to go and do well for him. I want mm. to really go and, and do well. And I, you know, I think the performance on Sunday showed that because Dundee's last performance was against Peter Head, the game you were at, Rob. And yeah. they won 3 0, but you know, they weren't yeah. they weren't anywhere near what they were on Sunday. So players get a lift from a manager. I think Simon Rusk is, is, is a good coach. And also he's got Dave Mackay on the bench who's, been, Dave, a, who's exactly. been a manager. He's been a manager. So these guys know the game. John's right. It's not always about the manager standing the touchline waving his arms and pointing his fingers. Mm. If you can get the message across to the players and the build-up to the game and what they are before the game where he goes and the training they do during the week, then that's all that matters. How, how worried were you, John, about the nature of the goals Dundee scored and Celtic conceded two set pieces again. I, mean, I was like the manager, Rob. Uh, you know, it was disappointing goals to concede two set pieces from similar positions. Um, that's five goals in two games. Celtic have conceded at home, if you can conclude the border glimpse, uh, border glimpse mm-hmm. th- uh, a couple of days before. So, listen, Celtic have got the best defensive record in the in the Scottish Premiership. So they're not doing too badly, mm-hmm. but uh, it was disappointing to see them concede uh, two set pieces um, they've got to do better got to do better when you come up against teams that have got the quality to whip in really good balls into your box and you've got opposition that want to go and head the ball in your net you've got to block them you've got to stand stronger you've got to defend better um, but it's, 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 it's a difficult one because they have improved so much defensively um, this season uh, hence you know having the best defensive record uh, but when you come up against, I always said it right from the start of the season. When they come up against quality opposition like Bordeaux Glimt had, you know, decent centre forwards, decent wingers, good midfield players that that run into the box, and you got to you got to track the runs and go with your marker, these type of things. So I think the manager said himself, Hans Postecoglou, that that is a slight concern that we conceded uh, that we conceded the goals that we did. But they won 3-2 uh, with Giorgio Siakamakis completing his hat-trick late on. Rangers drew 1-1 at Tanadice and suddenly three points between the top two. 
The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Time flies, 45 minutes in already on Tuesday's Go Radio Football Show. Looking back on the weekend results, uh, particularly... Uh, the results affecting the top two another point swing at the weekend and Celtic are three clear at the top on the back of the European results of course uh, which favoured Rangers beating Dortmund 4-2 Celtic lost 3-1 to the very impressive uh, Bode Glimt the Norwegian champions and it's the second legs this Thursday so it could be quite a game at Ibrox uh, as uh, Dortmund will they have uh, Erling Haaland available Apparently he's uh, doing his damnedest at the moment to prove his fitness, Craig's to be back uh, for that game um, and that could make a massive difference because if Dortmund are to get the first goal at Ibrox on Thursday then it's going to be game on at 4-3. Yeah, well, this game certainly isn't over. You know, the when it goes, probably similar to Celtic's game at, uh, last Thursday, if they kept it at 2-1, you think, right, OK, but because they scored immediately make it 3-1 it took a little bit of the window to the seal same as Rangers goes 4-1 you think right okay but when it goes 4-2 it just changes the dynamic slightly because listen Erling Haaland I watched him play for Norway against Northern Ireland he scored 2 and said, I think he set 3 up um, and he beat us 5-1 that was 18 months ago he's a different animal than what they have I mean I know they beat Borussia Mönchengladbach 6-0 at the weekend but if this guy's fit he plays in your team just his pace he's powerful he's a really instinctive natural goal scorer he's got you know, the, the power he can generate from his shots with very little backlift will just give Rangers a completely different problem to have to play against. But you're right, they get the early goal and then suddenly the tie comes alive. If Rangers get it, I wouldn't say it's over, but it makes it really difficult for Dortmund in that. So Rangers are stuck in between. Do you go after the game? Do you go chasing, trying to put it to bed? Or are you more, a little bit more reserved? Do you sit back and try and absorb a little bit of pressure and try and play on the counter-attack? Because last Thursday's game, Dortmund didn't play well, didn't defend well. And Rangers played well. You know, there's no doubt about it. So that's why the gap widens. Whereas if Dortmund can sharpen up defensively and they get Haaland back, they'll be a different team altogether. Rangers will have to maintain the same level of performance from last weekend. If they don't, or sorry, against uh, from last Thursday, if they go out, it, it, I think it, it takes away from last week's result. You don't want to be part of a team that won 4-2 in Dortmund and then went out of no. the ta- without the next leg. No, there's a pressure attached there to it, is. isn't there? So if you want to talk about that great result in Dortmund and performance in Dortmund in years to come, I think you have to get through the tie. It'll still be spoken about as a one-off game. But then when someone says after, did they go through in the tie? No, they didn't. It just loses its edge a little bit. So the players will be aware of that. But Ibrox, like Celtic Park was last Thursday, will be absolutely rocking. And they couldn't have warmed up John Hartson any more impressively for what's coming at Ibrox at Dortmund. 6-0 winners at the weekend against Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think that's what's called firing out or warning, isn't it? Well, that's what they're capable of. Um, but to their own admission, I don't think they uh, they played very well last week. Conceded four goals at home. Uh, they got some great players. You know, Bellingham, who got the, who got the goal back for them. Um, I think the first goal back was there to make it 4-1. I'm sure it was, or yeah. maybe... Um, three one, three one, yeah, and, and then because it, yeah. it went four one and then four right. two, yeah. yeah. Guerrero and, and then yeah, and then Guerrero scored that cracker, uh, the last yes. goal of yes. the game. Oh, and and actually, goal, what yeah. there is a big difference, isn't there, between four one and four two? There <laughs> Apart is, from the first I one think, goal, I, I think Craig's has alluded to it. I think the approach will be important. You know what the Rangers, um, you know, do they go at um, Dortmund and try and get that early goal, and then there's an onslaught then with the crowd. You know, the vociferous crowd at Ibrox, which you get. Um, 
you know, will certainly get behind the team. All of a sudden, you're three goals clear. Um, or do you sort of, you know, just a, a, a reserve your approach and see how the game develops and then Dortmund can fly out the traps and you, you concede one? So that approach, your mindset, how you start the game is going to be very important. From a Celtic point of view, it goes without saying that they need to score the first goal. Mm. Uh, and to get it back to 3-2, there is no away goals. So you get it back to 3-2 and all of a sudden a little bit of panic sinks in. But again, if Celtic were to concede the first goal, um, then obviously it's, it's, it's a three-goal advantage then and their home crowd get a lift. So these things, you know, they're quite precarious and I think always, um, you know, the early stages of the games. From Celtic's point of view, I think they just need to stay in the game as long as they can. And um, they need another fantastic um, uh, performance to go and turn this around. I think Rangers are in the driving seat in terms of being 4-2 up, but also they'll have a lot of respect for the, the players and some of the personnel that, that Dortmund have in their team, you know, and especially Haaland if he's returning. So, you know, both um, both exciting games yeah. that we've got coming up. Mm. I'd be interested to see how they, how they both develop. I think Rangers have to play with their emotion. You know, with the crowd and the atmosphere and the drive, John's played at Celtic Park often enough, that makes you want to go forward and attack and be open and be expansive. Dortmund are saying, please do. Mm -hmm. Come and go at us and be open and expansive because we can then pick holes and we can go. And I'm not saying they sit back and try and absorb pressure. But striking it, a balance. Striking a balance. There has to be a methodical side to it, how they approach the game. And Celtic are probably very the same in Norway. Mm -hmm. You know, they can't go chasing the game early on and yes, we're expansive and we get after it. This team are good enough. Bodo, you know, we watched enough in that 90 minutes last week, more than comfortable at absorbing a little bit of pressure and picking someone off and going and, and, and killing the tie. So it's all about just, yes, you attack, but you do it when it's on to do it. You don't overcommit when there's no need to do so. Uh, and, and just finding the game plan and kind of growing, almost working out how the game's going to go. Do you know what though, Craig? Celtic only have one game plan, really. They, you know, mm -hmm. they can't really be in the position to go, well, you come at us and we'll go at you. Celtic will come out. The fullbacks will go forward. They play away like they play at home. Yeah. Um, they're not conservative at all. You know, the midfielders, you know, Rogic will get on the ball. If played, we're not quite sure the team will be. I'd imagine, uh, imagine Rogic or O'Reilly need to get on the ball. You know there's going to be movement from Jota and Abada, Maeda if he starts, or Giacomacus. They'll only play one one way. You know, they'll, they'll maybe risk getting beat 2 or 3 nil again. But one thing for sure, and it's exciting for the Celtic fans, Ange Postacoglu will believe in his team, mm. believe in that formation and the philosophy and the way they play. They'll drive forward and that's the way they, they approach every single game. Now, I know you have to be slightly, you know, concerned defensively, set pieces, corners, free kicks on the edge of the box, but they will only play one way. They, they are going out. They are going out to Norway to win that game. Is it personnel though then? You know, because last week, uh, I think you said it, O'Reilly and Rogic, they get done in the middle of the pitch. There's mm -hmm. too big a gap between O'Reilly and Rogic. They won't play again. Well, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So you may have Beaton playing beside McGregor. For example, McGregor may play at one because he's a bit more defensive-minded when they lose possession. Yeah. Uh, Beaton hold in the middle of the pitch. You look at the first mm -hmm. goal. There were holes, weren't there? The first to, goal to be that exploited. Celtic gave up in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. They get themselves back to 2-1. 
but they changed the shape to a 4 4 2 then. Mm. So then they get picked up, and again, there was another gap in the middle of the pitch, and, and that made the third mm. one. So just little distinct changes. I'm not saying it changed your whole approach how you're going to play, but just little distinct changes within the personnel picked, just giving them a little role. Yeah. Don't you go forward as much, allow the full backs to go, maybe just hold them into the pitch. Mm-hmm. And that was the one area, it's the one thing you have to get a hold in the middle of the pitch in European football yeah. against good sides. Yeah. And the three midfield players from, from, from Boda, mm. uh, Saltness and, and Hagen, and Vettelsen, well they were very good. Well they got the balance right. They had the balance right with Vettelsen cheating a little bit and picking up good spaces in behind Rogic and in behind O'Reilly when they went to press. And then Boda were able to play through the press. I mean, the left-back, when Bangomo, mm-hmm. it, I, I thought he was absolutely terrific. Yeah. Because in Scotland, if you put a, pre- a left-back under pressure, deep in his own half, there's a good chance that they'll win the ball back or they'll win the ball back from a throw-in or a free kick or something. He was dribbling past the batter. He took a batter on more times in the first half than a batter took him on. Mm-hmm. And that suddenly broke the press because it meant then he broke through the forward attacking players. So there's little things Angelo have looked at and, and he'll try and get right pressing and when to press. But listen, Celtic still will go and open up. But maybe defensively, they'll just have to switch on a little bit better. Do you think, John, if Ange could rewind the tape, he would have gone with a different balance in the midfield? Possibly, because I think the, the admission was when Hitati came on 10 minutes into the second half, and I think it was Rogic, I think, who went off. Um, so Ange didn't quite say it publicly in the press uh, that I got I got the, um, in his after, in his after post-match interview, mm-hmm. I got the system wrong. I don't think he needed to say that because he's been so successful in that system. It's just, I just think that you had two more attacking midfield players like O'Reilly goes and he tries to, um, you know, he, he create. he's a creative midfield player. He creates, he wants to be up further up the pitch. Rogic, you know, wants to be further up the pitch. McGregor was the only one who was really sitting. The, the gap was too far between the defence and 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 uh, Rogic and, um, and O'Reilly. They couldn't physically get back. They're trying to go forward. The crowd are pushing them on. Celtic are at home. But then when it broke down, I thought Border Glimpse showed that a counter-attacking team they were excellent and the, the gap was too big in the midfield to get back to get bodies back in to defend properly so um, I, th- I think Angie's you know he's got everything thing absolutely spot on this season you know he's uh, his recruitment has been brilliant yeah he's due a mistake or two he's allowed a mistake absolutely. or two absolutely and I, I don't think that um, you know people are overly concerned um, but you know, I think he will get it right. Uh, I think he's got the um, the knowledge and the tactical nous to get it right. But they won't change their approach. No. They really won't. As you said, uh, Craig's at the top of the show or towards the top of the show, um, I think Yakimakis could be a big plus for Celtic yeah. uh, on this yes. Thursday because, not just because he's bang on form and he scored a hat-trick and he looks like the player they wanted when they signed him, but also uh, he didn't feature much in that game. So he's almost uh, something new to throw at the Norwegians on Thursday. Yeah, because whenever Celtic had a little bit of pressure, they dropped deep and there's no space really for Maeda they're running behind. He got in a couple of times and then you can see the experienced defenders saying, well, listen, what we'll do is we'll take a step back and protect that space. We want Celtic to play in front of us. So when you then force a team to play in front of you, you need that target player where you can throw the ball in. You can throw it into his chest, you can throw it in any height, knowing he's going to wrestle with people. He's going to attract people. He's going to upset centre-halves. Whereas he didn't really get the chance to do that. You know, he likes physical contact, Jack and Macus. So he wants one of the centre-halves to come tight. That's then when the likes of Rogic and O'Reilly or... or a tattoo whoever's playing there or a bad shot, they can then run beyond because they're drawing attention to him and there's creating spaces elsewhere. Also means in wide areas you can throw balls in. 
because you have the physical presence where he can go and head the ball a little bit better than what likes in my era. Kyogo's still very good in the air when he plays, but he's not as aggressive as what Giacomacchus would be. So it just gives them something different to think about. Plus, he's got a hat trick, Rob. So, I mean, if you don't start after a hat trick, you're yeah. chapping the manager's door. <laughs> you might just see a couple of different personalities. Yeah. Iriguchi's was that was a sub. Iriguchi on the weekend. He's not. He's not in he's the squad. John. He wasn't named in their in their conf- conference, conference league. league well, squad. you've got likes of James Forrest that could come back in. Um, Julien. He might just throw a few surprises in. Yeah. We just never know, do we? With with Big Ange. It's going to be an incredible Thursday. That's for sure. Two goal deficit for Celtic. Two goal advantage for Rangers. Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy? a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK, with taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration in 12 months road tax so if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi where would you go thetaxicentre.com trade only the go radio football show with thetaxicentre.com your exclusive taxi trade savings are waiting on you let's go That's been a busy first hour and another 60 minutes of football chat still to come with Rob McLean, John Hartson and Stephen Cragen. 0808 17 17 700 on the socials at Go Football Show if you want to get in touch to ask a question, to make a point. Uh, on the back of another big weekend in the title race and just a couple of days away, a couple of nights away from another European doubleheader for Rangers and for Celtic. And of course, today, uh, St Mirren got themselves a new manager. It is Stephen Robinson, former Motherwell manager. And uh, as the the fixture computer is having a bit of a laugh, really, because it's throwing uh, Stephen Robinson together with Mark McGee tomorrow night at Dens Park. It's Dundee against St Mirren in the Premiership. It's a massive match. Uh, St Mirren would go fourth if they could win, but Dundee are desperate for points at this stage, having come so close to getting one at Celtic Park at the weekend. McGee and Robinson worked together at Motherwell a couple of times, but they are head-to-head. Uh, not quite in the technical area because Mark McKee is still uh, serving his touchline ban. He's got another five games he will miss, but it didn't seem to do him a great deal of harm at the weekend as Dundee did pretty well, scored a couple of goals, thought they might cling on for a point. But Celtic made their point with a late goal, a late winner, to uh, just extend the advantage at the top of the table. Three points now because Rangers uh, drew 1-1 at Tannadice. Uh, so it is uh, three points between the pair of them. So Dundee St Mirren is tomorrow night in the Premiership. There are three games in the SPFL tonight. Uh, one in the Championship, that's Partick Thistle against Morton I'm just getting to the stage of the season where all these matches down the divisions matter so much either at the top or the bottom there's automatic promotion Um, but there's also uh, of course the playoffs uh, for promotion and the playoffs for relegation as well Uh, Patrick Thistle potentially crags your old team uh, you know could get themselves up alongside our Broth and Kilmarnock at the top Um, but they've got a few extra games to play and they've got that dodgy playing surface at Fair Hill yeah, that's that. That'll be the biggest frustration for Ian McCall and his players because they're a good football inside. You know they've got good players, uh, and the state of the pitch 
is going to hinder them in how they play. It may suit teams in the bottom half who are fighting for their lives, who are just wanting to come and be hard to play against and frustrate, you know, just dig out results where they don't have to go and try and play attractive football. But also, Thistle then can't play the way they want to, so they're going to have to try and adapt their game. Albeit they've got Brian Graham as a centre-forward, so if they have to throw it forward, they can do. But that's not how they want to play. So that's just another obstacle for them to overcome. Yeah, I think they have, what, th possibly three games on over uh, three games on hand over teams above them. Yeah. But it gets to the stage, Rob, where you're Saturday midweek, Saturday midweek. It takes its toll. You know, it takes its toll having to continually churn out wins and you're talking about having to win six, seven, eight, nine games in a row to try and close mm. that gap and, and overcome. Because yes, you can win your three games in hand, but if you're not winning the games in between your games in hand, then you know it, it catches up with you and it, yeah. it, it, it becomes uh, a frustration. But listen, they're well within you know range of at least reaching the playoffs. Wraith Rovers, I think, are on a dreadful run at the minute. I think their last win came on the 11th of December in the league. It was home to Kilmarnock. I, was, I covered the game at the weekend, Kilmarnock against Wraith Rovers, and... They were quite poor with Rovers. They didn't really lay a glove on Kilmarnock at all. So uh, Thistle will, will believe they can certainly get themselves into the top four. I think it looks like a, a two-way title race between Arbroath and Kilmarnock. You know, Kilmarnock will hope that the part-timers of Arbroath run out of steam a little bit. But Partick Thistle would have to have a great run, you know, an almost impeccable run over the next six or seven games for to get himself into the mix. But, but then you look at the bottom half of the table in relegation, so certainly all to play for in, in both divisions. Yeah and, you, yeah, and you look at uh, the Kyle Lafferty impact, don't you, for Kilmarnock, John? Mm. Because he is doing this time exactly what he did last time. I mean, he didn't save them from relegation last time, but he couldn't have done any more because his strike rate was fantastic. And he's come back and he's doing exactly the same. He scored a couple at the weekend and suddenly they're up there level with our broth. Uh, and as Craig says, I guess, you know, at this stage, because of their resources um, and maybe the momentum they've got, uh, you would think Kilmarnock must be in with a fair chance of winning the outright promotion now. Well, yeah, he's uh, he, he's always uh, got goals, hasn't he? And, you know, look for Northern Ireland and, and Rangers, especially first time around, you know. He was he was really playing at the top of his game then. Um, but he knows the surroundings at Kilmarnock. He's been there before. Uh, and it's a, been a really shrewd sort of appointment bringing him in, Kyle Lafferty. Um, and they look now, they're the, they're the team, our brother up there. You know, I would love to see Dick Campbell win the league. Mm. I really would. Derek McInnes, I, were, I didn't know Derek that much, but while he was sort of out of the game, I'd done a good few games with him, and he was mm. great to talk to about football and everything else, and I got to know him reasonably well, and uh, nothing against Derek. I wish him well at Kilmarnock, but what a story. Yeah. It would be a fairy tale, big, big wouldn't Brad it? Big Douglas is up there as well. He's mm. very close to Dick Campbell. Yeah. And that would be just amazing. Our broth in the Scottish Premiership, what what a yeah. job that would be yeah. from, from um, Dick Campbell. Yeah, big laugh was, the, you know, five goals in five games. Mm. And he was the difference at the weekend. As in, our broth didn't have, sorry, Wraith Rovers didn't have a striker like him. They didn't have anything that kind of presence. He was chasing balls down, he was running behind, and the fans were with him. Just that kind of lift that he's given the place. Listen, Kyle enjoys a bit of fun and he, you know, he has a bit of crack off off the pitch, but he wants to score goals. You know, he said he'd come back with unfinished business. Mm. Well, he's certainly going about it the right way to try and get himself. And I, I mean, I said at the time, the likes of St Johnston in the top flight mm. aren't prolific goal scorers. Why would they not have a nibble? Mm. Dundee at the time still haven't scored a lot of goals. He's the type of player, Steve. You know? If you get the right ball into him, he's good in the air. You know, he's about six foot five. He jumps about bleeding ten foot. Mm -hmm. He's got great leap. He's agile. Doesn't carry weight. No. Um, 
not overly quick, but still deceivingly can get in behind. Mm. And nice, he scores that, a lot of goals on the ground, yeah, despite nice, his height. Great touch, great. Yeah. He brings people in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, but the one you thing... You make him sound like some player, John. I can't believe he's in the championship with all that, what you've just said. No, I still, I still think he could play. Yeah, in, 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 well, in, that's in, what I'm saying. That's why I'm surprised. The top yeah. like, clubs who were struggling for goals didn't yeah. say, well, he's the kind of player who could, could go and get us seven or eight goals mm-hmm. one, at the end one, of the season. He's got five already. The one team I'd be worried about is Dunfermline, John Hughes. Mm-hmm. The third from uh, three points off the bottom club, Queen of the South. Mm. Well, John was gone in there to give them, you know, a bit of a lift. Yeah. I think I mean, was it was it five nil or five one they lost to Morton, but since then they they've won a couple they've kicked on again, yeah. but they find themselves second bottom, mm. and he would have been somebody John who they'd brought in to think well yeah. bit of experience, kept Ross County up last season in the Premiership, wasn't successful to keep his job, mm. they brought in Malky Mackay. Only Roy McGregor can explain that one for you the the Ross County owners up there the decision makers, yeah. but. You know, again, uh, John, John needs a couple of wins down the bottom there, doesn't he? But that's that's experience that could be brought to bear, couldn't it, this season with mm. Dunfermline? The very fact that he did it a league up yeah. last season with, with Ross County. Yeah, well, it's supposed to boils down to quality of player as well. Mm. You know, he certainly had a, a more experienced bunch at Ross County. That's probably why he got the job, you know, because he, he had done that in the past. And that's mm. what people tend to go for. Mm. You know, we're talking today about Stephen Robinson getting the... the St Mirren job he got it because you know they, they've spoken about it in the past that he's finished in the top six he's finished in third he's been to Europe he's been to, so what you do in the past certainly helps you get jobs John Hughes has got that so but uh, it, it's such a tight league you know it, it, uh, Lee Bullum in the air and he, he's won a few games they've managed to get a little bit of a gap between them Hamilton got a little bit of a gap but it can swing in two or three games and suddenly you're right back in the mix so that's one that's going to go to the wire both ends of the table so uh, that will develop from Partick Thistle against Morton in the Championship tonight. In League One, it's Falkirk against Peterhead. Again, a game that's got big implications for both. Uh, and in League Two, Kelty Hearts, the leaders against Cowden Beath. So that's a Fife derby. And uh, Kevin Thompson looking to lead his team to promotion to League One. And there's a name um, that's going to be linked with much bigger jobs. Probably has been already, to be honest, but uh, will be more and more, uh, you would imagine in the months to come doing a great job having taken over from our own Barry Ferguson of course uh, on Thursday night we're looking ahead to Rangers against Dortmund at Ibrox 4-2 up Celtic against Bodo Glimt in Norway 3-1 down uh, let's talk to Regan hi Regan alright Rob how you doing alright yeah hi Regan well thanks And alright you're... John how you doing I'm good thank you alright how are you I'm doing well eh? good man. I just wanted to ask you guys because for me I quite like it if Celtic went out in first simply for the side that I've seen the last two games, a home to Dundee and a home to Dundee United, I think we're tired. And I said to your producer on the phone, I don't know what the situation is with Kyogo, but I don't think I'm, I'm very confident of this squad uh, going through the rest of the season if they're going to be in European competition. Yeah. I, know that's a, I, I know that Celtic fans will say, well, that's a bit selfish because they want to win every game. But I think... as you, uh, I think as um, as John and uh, Stephen spoke about earlier on the show, um, it's forty million quid this season. So yeah. I just think that the most important thing is to get the league sorted because if you look at it, Rob, this is the f- the third biggest competition in Europe that, that was only invented the last year. Yeah. So it's not a it's not a, it's, it's not a big competition. Yeah. No, that, that's funny you should say that because that, that was actually a thought that crossed my mind um, before the show about, about how Celtic would view this game on Thursday. Uh, 
already three one down from the from the first yeah. leg. What what we do, what we know about Kyogo John is that he's two or three weeks behind David Turnbull. I mean, uh, Ange Postecoglou doesn't give much away in these media conferences these days, but the fact that David Turnbull's not back yet in the, in the in the squad it would indicate that it's going to be quite a while before Kyogo is available. So it's yeah. it's pretty much as you go with the squad at the moment. But mm-hmm. what, what about Regan's first point there about the game on Thursday? In a sense, is it getting in the way because you know Celtic might pour a lot into it and still not get through? Well, Celtic are in it, Regan, to go and try and win it. Um, still a lot of good co- uh, teams in the competition. But Ange said earlier on, and we have to believe him, that um, he wants to go far in the competition. They're in the competition. They will try their best to, to go and win on Thursday night and to and to obviously get back in the tie and get, get into the last 16 of the competition. Um, it is the last 16, isn't it? It is. Yes, into yeah, the last 16. Um, but I don't think... I get your point and I see your point as well with so many big games, 11 cup finals plus the, the Scottish Cup, to see through this season for Celtic, they've done remarkable in terms of their comeback to, to be in the situation where they are, building this team. What a job the manager's doing. If they go out of the competition so Thursday... That's exactly the reason why I think that, that Celtic should focus on um, picking up the two hours in Scotland. Yeah, but because I still think, the- Regan, they're, they're in the competition. They'll, they'll try and win the games. They will try and win the games and they will do their utmost to win the games. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, and, but, but if, if they go out I don't think it's the, it's the worst thing in the world to happen to Celtic but they will still yeah. have to try as, as professionals and they will still try and go through and win the games as it happened they lost to a better team the other night yeah. a better team on the night should I say mm-hmm. yeah. a better performance they will go and try and win the game on Thursday mm. Celtic if they don't Regan I don't think you know it'll be the worst thing that could happen to Celtic that's what I would say Regan as a yeah, pundit but- I can't say this is a this is a not a big competition. You know, one Celtic to go. I can't speak like a fan, if you like, like you. But I do see your point, mate. Yeah, and and they're coming back. They're coming back, Regan and and Crags to a potentially really difficult game. I think on Sunday because maybe just there are just little signs that Hibs are starting to get themselves together. It, it yeah. was a, it was a big win for them at the weekend. They they, they went fourth. Suddenly the league table looked much better for Sean Maloney. Um, and this could be an awkward game for Celtic potentially coming back off that that long trip up beyond the the edge of the Arctic Circle. Well, a couple of things. So, sorry, Regan. Just let me get a wee quick answer in there. That um, the team selection on Thursday will be telling. Mm-hmm. You know, even if Ange thinks that deep inside, you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing going out. He's never going to say it publicly because that gives the wrong message across to his players. But he has every right on Thursday night to give some players a rest and have one eye on. Uh, Sunday because that's why he builds a squad that's why he's got competition for places so whatever side he puts out will be competitive you know he wants to win the game first and foremost and then see if he takes you through in the tie but I think once we see the team selection it'll give us a little idea of what he's thinking about or if he's thinking ahead I think Reagan as well what you're saying is a lot of Celtic fans will be thinking the same there's a league to win Yeah. Um, you know it, it was poor last season We've won the first trophy of the season, you know, this year uh, in, in in sort of the, the Premier Sports Cup. We've gone ahead in the league after clawing back a six-point deficit. Everything's riding on the league. As you said, mate, it's 40 million plus um, still in the Scottish Cup. You know, do we need this competition? Do we need these long journeys on a Thursday night? Everything else about yeah. it. But I can tell you from Andrew's point of view, 
he's in the competition to go far and they'll they'll try their utmost to win the game. But I also I also recognise your point as well, mate. See the thing that I said uh, to uh, to Joe when I called in with uh, John was that Rangers have dropped um, twelve po- uh, they've got three points from the last twelve mm-hmm. away from home. They, they drew at Aberdeen, they drew at Ross County, and they drew at Dundee United. So they played well in Europe against a very good team, but yeah. then that energy took took out of them um, for 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 Sunday, you know. Yeah. And I just think, I just think that if a Celtic are playing, they could be potentially nine points clear, say one Saturday, and Rangers have still got all that pressure to go to go and play the following day. Yeah, but Rangers, you have to praise what Celtic have done on Ange because Regan, don't forget, Rangers did this last season. They got to the last sixteen of of the of the Europa League. So they weren't tired last season, were they? I think it's but more they weren't tired last season. You know, they still managed to win games. They kept they only conceded thirteen goals, I think it was in the league. You know, so they were fantastic last season. You know and, But what I'm saying is now I think rather than saying Rangers are tired, you know, because you know, and and and, and it's a case of that's the reason why Celtic are maybe pushing on. Um for me Rangers weren't tired last season. I think more so it's the form and it's the change it's the change in philosophy and it's the personnel that have made Celtic get to the position that they're in. Not so much Rangers being tired, mm. it's Celtic have actually improved so much. I think I mean Craig Craig's it's gonna as you said, it's gonna be an interesting team selection from Celtic yeah. on Thursday. But you know, they do actually they have a they do now have a deep enough squad that, that they can attack both games. They can, and that's why January was vital that the reinforcements were brought in to make them stronger, not to rely on six or seven individuals who have to play every single game and then you end up with injuries to Kyogo and you end up with injuries to David Turnbull. I mean, I think there was quite a lot of the players had missed certain games throughout the first half of the season because the manager was having to go back to the same players and and ask for an awful lot more of them. But I think Regan's point's right that if Celtic weren't in it, for example, uh, you know, if that transpired, then it means that they could play on a Saturday and Rangers have to play on the Sunday. And always having that edge and taking advantage when they have the edge, that's what it could boil down to. I mean, it could easily flip. It could be a fact. It could be a case of Celtic go through on Thursday and Rangers go out, mm. and then suddenly the league position changes, and they may have a little bit of an advantage. So you know, it's all here. You know, we're all kind of just trying to read between the lines and see what's right and what's wrong. Both teams will be going out on Thursday night to try and win the game first and foremost, and then hope that it's enough to take them through in the tie. And maybe John Arson, if Celtic do go out Thursday, um, it improves their chances of a domestic treble. Yeah, well, that that would be that would be unbelievable, wouldn't it, from a Celtic point of view? Um, and it's on, yeah, it it's on. Good. You know, it's we're not thinking. Uh, you know, uh, Celtic got uh, obviously Dundee United in the quarterfinal. Yeah. Rangers played Dundee, but let's let's not forget either that neither team got to a final last year. Mm. You know, which was you know that doesn't happen very often. No. Um, so you know that could possibly happen but I think like the manager have said I think it's one game at a time 11 cup finals to go we still have to Rangers Celtic and Rangers have to play each other another another twice mm-hmm. might meet in the final um, huge rivalry there's a there's a there's a chase on from, from, from the start of the season we sat here back in August and Celtic couldn't win the league they couldn't win the league in the no, position in the position that the clubs are in no. you look at it so it just goes to show how fantastic, you know, the manager's done with the players, the formation, the personnel, the winning run. I think they're what seventeen league games or whatever it is. It's yeah. a ridiculous the, run. The, of the form stats are incredible. On. Yeah, incredible. Regan, thanks for your call. Good one as ever. Good to hear from you.
Cheers, Rob. Cheers, Ted. Cheers. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go! What are we saying there, Craig's? Yeah, the travel's no, your favourite bit I'm of the show. I'm just saying that you reading the travel's my favourite bit of the night because I've just got pictures in my head of everybody in Glasgow turning right and turning left and sticking yeah. the reverse lights on, trying to avoid where you're sending them to or where you're not sending them to, Rob. It's lovely. Are you saying it made no sense whatsoever? Mind you, it's probably no, like no, most it, did. it made lots of sense to me. I'm just worried about the drivers on the road. Yeah, it's probably like most of my other contributions <laughs> on the show, to be honest. Um, anyway, be yourself. we're into the last half hour of the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Uh, Stephen Craig in there, John Hartson is over there. Doesn't work so well on the radio when I'm saying that. And it's Rob McLean here. Um, 0808 17 17 700. Good to hear from Regan, as ever, making some good points. Um, Stephen Robinson, uh, if you've missed it, is the new manager of St Mirren. That just happened today. It happened very quickly as well, but not so quickly uh, that he hasn't hit the ground running. Yeah, I took training today, myself and Dermot O'Carroll. It's been, it's been a crazy 24 hours. Um, I thought I would be taking a game at Rotherham tonight, and you end up taking a, a game at um, Dundee. So... Yeah, it's, I'll be in the dugout, yeah, and be nice and calm and composed. Nice and calm and composed and big possibilities for St Mirren. He's taken that job on a two and a half year deal, taken over from Jim Goodwin, of course. Uh, and as he points out, sometimes you're putting uh, something back together when you're the new manager. But actually, he just wants to keep it ticking over, having left uh, Morecambe. You just wonder whether it was wise to leave Morecambe. But anyway, he did. And hopefully I got away with that one uh, for a certain uh, sector of the audience. Uh, fourth, uh, St Mirren, if they win uh, tomorrow at Dens Park. Again, Morecambe on wise? No. Anyway, please yourself. Uh, <laughs> six teams uh, six teams covered by three points in that section of the table. Um, and is it difficult to see how much higher Crags uh, St Mirren can go than where they potentially are right now? No, I think it's doable because you only have to look at from fourth place. You're talking, Rob, three three points between teams. St Mirren are well in the mix, probably as good a squad of players as they've had for a long time. Uh, they haven't been in the top six. I, can, I mean, I, Stephen mentioned it today. I can't think if St Mirren ever finished top six in the new format. I don't no, know. no, I think they got they got right to the last game. Was that last well, season? Last season, last season yeah. yeah. yeah they, where they, against, just... they conceded in the last yeah. minute against Hamilton and St Johnson scored yeah. in the last minute against Ross County mm. and ousted them. So uh, I think in Tony Fitzpatrick's dreams they've been in the top six yeah. before. But, well, but, it's always uh, been the target and the aim. And I quite like the ambition side of it. You know, Jim is backed. They say it's the most expensive squad they've ever had, as in budget-wise as high mm. as it's ever been. So they've certainly invested in that. You know, so there's room for improvement still Steam wouldn't take in the job if you think well that's the end of the road for there's always another level you can get to it's always just about getting a little bit more consistency out of the players just trying to eke a little bit more from them so if they were to finish in top six this season Scottish Cup semi-final potentially Scottish Cup final that's classed as a really good season and because of where they're based as well you think I always think St Mirren even likes a part of this in the championship along with Rangers and Celtic clearly it's a good place for people to come and play it's a central belt there's not a lot yeah. of travelling, really. So, you know, it's an attractive proposition. Mm -hmm. Come and live in Glasgow, play for St Mirren. It's just in the outskirts, good training ground. I think Stephen said today when I was speaking to him that they're trying to up, uh, improve the training ground again. Yeah. So all these little changes, Rob, just means you can attract your, your your different quality of player. The higher you finish up the league, the more money you have. It's quite happy in to reinvest form, in the squad again. some form as well. I'll just read out the last six. Drew with Livingston. Beat Kelty Hearts in well, the Scottish Cup. 4-0. Yeah, they got beat in the last... Uh, beat St Johnson... Uh, beat Hibs 
at Easter Road, drew with Motherwell and beat Aberdeen. Yeah. That's yeah. their last six, one, four out of six. 14 points yeah. um, out of their last six games. Let's talk to John, who's a Celtic fan. Hi, John. Good evening, panel. Hi, Hi John. How are we? I'm doing very well, guys. Good. I'm doing very well. What would you like to say, John? I've I've just got a point uh, regarding Giamakis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard uh, a few people talking about it. And um, to me, it's just superstition. Uh, you know, we've got a... Um, you know, we we've got a kind of a notion in the in the west of Scotland. You know, if you say things a little bit, you know, um, ahead of yourself, a little bit kind of mm-hmm. like out there, um, that it automatically you know goes into the superstition part. And you know, are we going to tempt fate? Celtic going to lose the league? Or you know, this is encouragement for Rangers. It means nothing really. Let's be honest. It's a it's a superstitious comment. Um, that you know, what do you guys think of that? Yeah, we're, we're a bit sort of careful and cautious, aren't we, with, with what we tend to say? So, when somebody says what he said, we tend to be uh, taken aback. Let's just refresh ourselves with what he did say. So, I think that uh, with this hard work, we can achieve many things. The squad is really good, I think it's the best in, uh, in the league. I think we're a well prepared team for every single game. We have a very good plan, we try to, to, to stay committed in, uh, in, the, in the plan. I think we're we better in every single every single part of, uh, of the team. We showed uh, that we're a better team, that's obvious. We show that we work harder in the field. I hope that, and I, I think that we will win the championship. It's something that we really want for us and uh, for the club and for the fans. I think uh, Lyndon Dykes had a similar effect, didn't he? When, he, when he broke into the Scotland squad and he decided he wanted to play for Scotland and he said he wanted to be one of the all-time greats for Scotland. And it kind of maybe for us, uh, as John says, in this part of the world, sometimes goes against the grain when somebody is so bullish and buoyant and confident as he was. And, and that was Yakimakis on the back of his hat trick and that, and that win against Dundee, John, wasn't it? Um, you know, he was, he was talking Celtic up. He was being ultra-positive. Yeah, he was. Um, and... What you got to remember is some players are are out there. They'll they'll give you a good interview. They'll give you. They'll be honest. They'll they'll tell you what they think they believe. Pundits are the same. Mm-hmm. Some pundits will be safe. They won't be. They won't want to say certain things. They won't want to tell the truth. They won't want complete honesty because of the reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, players are the same. Uh, Yakimakis has come out. He's, in his opinion, he feels that Celtic got a better group of players. He feels they can win the league. Everything he said, he probably would have believed. Mm. Um, he's on a high. Uh, um, you want to see more of that. You want mm. to see more of it because uh, he, he said what he thinks will happen. Um, he's, he's on the back of a great performance. He just scored a hat-trick. And if Celtic are going to go on and win the league, he'll have to play a big role. Mm. He'll have to play a major role in that. And he's obviously very confident, lad, which is great to see. But I, I agree with John. Not everybody um, will come out and tell the truth. Some people like it, some people don't, because it causes a lot of furore, especially on social media. Um, people say, are oh, you talking this, you're talking that, you're this, they've got name called, blah, blah. Don't like the truth. Mm. Don't like people who tell it as it is. Same in management. You know, I believe Stephen Robertson's quite lucky to come to St Mirren because he's fourth from bottom at Morecambe. He was probably going to get the sack at Morecambe mm. if he hadn't have improved his position. But he's had the opportunity now to come up to St Mirren, what he's done previously very well mm-hmm. at Morecambe. Not many pundits would say that. I like Stephen. No, nothing against no, him no. personally, but that's what I believe. Yeah, it's he's a great very, opportunity. He's yeah, very but... fortunate to come yeah. back 
with a club like St Mirren that are absolutely flying. No, nothing against him on a personal level. No, That's no. just my opinion because you weren't doing it. But it's he a great appointment for St Mirren as well, I think. Great to, appointment, to but kick he, them he on. wasn't doing it, Rob, at no. Morecambe. Yeah. Well, let's come back to Yakimakas and, and just get John's reaction there to what, what John said. And, and, I'm, and I'm interested, John, on the phone, as opposed to John in the studio, um, as to whether you think that uh, Yakimakis is you're now beginning to see the player you thought you were getting at the time because we all knew how many goals he'd scored in the Netherlands last season. I think John's right, um, and I, you know I think that you know we are seeing the the real side of Jack uh, Jackimakis, and he's scoring goals that um, you know that are you you wouldn't probably see Kyogo scoring. Um, you know Kyogo likes to score from further out. Uh, Maeda is a different kind of striker, so it's just another option for Celtic that um, can be utilised. And um, you know Jackimakis is going to be scoring goals with his head, um, and there's going to be great balls into him. Um, you can see the the idea happening against Dundee. Um, obviously Jackimakis wasn't there until probably the goal, but um, you know do you, do you expect that Jackimakis will be scoring lots of headers? I think so. I think he showed um, at the weekend with that with that diving header towards the end. Um, there was boots flying, there was fists coming out from the goalkeeper. He's got there first, he's been very brave, and I think it's a brilliant goal, especially to win to, to win the game. There's a bit of pressure, the crowd were sort of on edge, um, you know, and, and the players would have been so disappointed not to have beat the bottom team, Dundee, although Dundee set up really well and they caused problems for Celtic on the day. But I think he's the type of player that can you can put it in there. And you're right, John. He's different to the other strikers that we've got. You know, he can pull off, he can pull away on you know on the defender's shoulder, back post. He can head things back across goal. He can go for headers himself. He makes great runs. He gets across the near post, which we've seen him do many a times. The goal at Alloa, the volley was a great goal in the cup, um, and he's just something different. But I tell you something, as a centre forward. Um, the goals give you massive confidence. You start to feel as if you belong in the team mm. and you can play well every week. You can make goals, you can get opportunities. Um, but when you're scoring goals, you just feel the other players trust you. You feel as if you you, you deserve to be in the team on the back of your goals. Yeah. And this will do Yakamakis the world of good, I'm telling you now. And suddenly he's scoring his first hat trick. He's ripping off his shirt, and he feels like he is the star of the show. And he's and he's uh, very positively talking about what Celtic can do. And I guess Stephen Craig, when you look at those two games at the weekend, uh, a player like Georges Yakimakis, you know, it could be Alfredo Morelos when he's yeah. when he's on form. He wasn't on form on Sunday. That was exactly what Rangers needed to convert some of those some of the many chances they had on Sunday. Yeah, apparently box striker, someone who is proactive and, and gambling in the areas, uh, you know, a real range of his three goals. But what you probably take into consideration is when he arrived at Celtic, he had no pre-season. And if you arrive with no pre-season, any club, and Ange continually speaks about the intensity in training, that he doesn't let the players off, it, it, everything's 100% every day in training. And then into games, Atisha Wiley got up to speed. He's had a few niggles, he's had a few knocks, he's missed weeks here and there. So he's never been able to get a run of probably training sessions together never mind games together so now he's got over that hurdle his fitness levels are where they should be because he's played more minutes in the last what seven or eight games than he did probably uh, pre-Christmas so all that's starting to come together There's, you know when you're an, a natural goal scorer and he, he, he looks in that kind of ilk then that will always be there but if you can't get there if you can't get in those positions because physically you're not in the right kind of shape to get there then it's going to have an impact so having him hitting form at this time 
It's just another reason why Celtic are thinking, right, we've got the momentum, we've got players, we've got options, everything's changing for us, and we're finding a way to win games, even when they're stuffing, when they're tight, and we're missing chances. We always believe, because of what's happened in the past, we can go and nick games. And it's the, it's the ideal combo. And what he has done, he's come in in place of the main man, Celtic's mind, their main man, their mm -hmm. go-to man, Kyogo, while he's been out. And he's come into the team and he's stepped up. It's exactly what you yeah. want as a manager. Yeah. You know, you want the players to come in and the, the good players, you know, the, the go-to players, your best 11, when they're missing, mm. you want your substitute bench, you want the next one in to come in and produce... And that's what he's done. He's produced in the absence of Kyogo. Now, Kyogo, for me, you know, he's been sensational in the Celtic fans' eyes as well. Um, but he's come in and uh, Celtic have continued to score goals and win games. So, John, on the phone, do you share the uh, Yakimakis optimism then? Do you think your team are on the way to the title? Uh, both answers, yes. I do think, <laughs> I do think um, you know, I, I think Jackie Mack has been there. And, uh, you know, going towards the title, I think Celtic look in a very good position. I think they look very strong. Um, but what, what I was wondering to, or going to ask the panel was in regards to uh, Christopher Julian. Can we expect him to see, you know, Christopher Julian play more games towards the end of the season? Do you think he'll feature? I, I, I'm... Christopher Julien, he's a good player, John. There's no doubt about that. And I think the fans want to see him at some stage. Um, you got you got to trust in Ange. you got to trust in what he thinks in terms of his favourite two. And at the minute, this is, is Starfelt and um, and, Conor, and, um, and Carter Vickers. Uh, I'm not sure whether we'll in, in, whether he'll break that partnership up. Um, then again, I don't know. I don't know whether he'll play uh, Julien on Thursday night. So... Uh, I, I'm guessing, like yourself, but I'm not too sure how keen he would be to break this partnership up, because they've defended well at times. Yes, there's been there's been uh, frailties, uh, quite a few frailties, but they've got the best defensive record in the Premiership. Um, he's been out quite a while now, Julien. I think you might see him coming off the bench once or twice. It's only my opinion, but I'm not too sure. Um, having got to where Celtic are now. Back at the top of the league, won a cup. Whether or not he will disrupt that, you know, central pairing, John. I don't know what you think, John. Uh, we're out of time at the moment, but uh, thanks a lot for your call. Thanks, panel. Cheers, guys. Cheers. John Hartson, Stephen Craig and Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Uh, we are fast zooming towards the end of the show. Back tomorrow night again. I'll be back with uh, Barry Ferguson and Davy Proven uh, tomorrow night. And then on Thursday, of course, it's the two massive European matches. Rangers home at the Dortmund. Celtic are in Norway, just north of the Arctic Circle to play Bodo Klimt. Uh, they were pretty impressive, weren't they? Uh, last week as they built up a 3-1 advantage. And then then, of course, it was the weekend and Sunday, Super Sunday at the top of the Premiership. Uh, Rangers spilled points at Tannadice, 1-1 against Dundee United. And uh, lots of contentious calls in that game from referee Bobby Madden and his officials. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst afterwards, pretty philosophical. You know, my, you know my standing point, VAR, is it will make it easier now. You know, these decisions we can, which can uh, be turning points, you know, it's, 
they can change the games. I mean, what, what, what can we do? There's no VAR, so every, every uh, decision that the referee will make, it cannot be overturned. So we have to respect the decision he made and uh, make sure, you know, we see uh, last Thursday where VAR decisions to change the game for us. Today maybe as well, but, you know, we can, uh, and, uh, we can talk for, for hours here, but the discussion ends because there's no VAR. Gordon, you're a Rangers fan. Uh, what did you make of those decisions at the weekend? Um, they were embarrassing, really. But I, I get the fact that the referees got a lot of grief and um, they've not got the easiest job, let's be honest. And they only get the grief if the, if, it, if the decision goes against your own team. However, it's getting to be a very, very, very regular thing. Every football phone and fan forum, Twitter, you name it. Mm-hmm. It's just constant, constant discussions about the referees. And it's week after week, it's midweek, weekend. It doesn't matter. And it's, it's just the standard the refereeing is not good enough. And then when you look at the top 15 leagues in, uh, in the world or in Europe, every single one of them in the top 15 have got VAR, except us. And obviously some people wouldn't like it, but I think... The weekend. And I'm not saying it's ending, there's this big conspiracy against Rangers. I know I've got a lot of Rangers and Celtic fans upset, but I don't think it's that. I, I just think the referees are really, really, really poor, and I think they need a lot of help. And then the other thing is, if we do bring in VR, <laughs> if we can't have good enough people in yeah. charge of the VR yeah. to be able to, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's just, you're, you're kind of an evolving dory bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the basic point here is they need help and they need better training, and that, that's just that. Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely agree with you, Gordon. And and, and you know, I th- there are there are two points here, aren't there? VAR. I think it's embarrassing that Scottish football doesn't have VAR by now, and we're quibbling about how much it's going to cost. Well, how much do you want it? How big a priority is it on the list? But the other aspect that Gordon mentions there is. You know, we just seem to be going through at the moment. I, I'm not sure it's been that way all season long. It seems like it's particularly recently mm-hmm. that there are lots of really blatantly bad decisions, Crags, being made. Well, first of all, I, I don't think the league will be taken seriously until we get it. You know, that, that's, you know, Gordon said, all the other top leagues around the world have it. Yeah, so You're a backwater. If you to, yeah, if you want to be putting that bracket or you want to try and build the league and, and build its profile, then you have to have VAR because then people... I'm not looking and laughing, but they're looking and thinking, why? Why don't you have it? Second-class citizens, yeah. you know, when, well, when you don't have VAR, it, you can't consider yourself a top league, no. I don't think, if you don't. But then it's worrying today when there's headlines in papers saying that clubs are concerned about the cost because it was previously mooted at 60K. They reckon it's now up to £100,000. Mm. And for small clubs, £100,000 can be three players per season. You know, for some it could be four. And I'm not over-exaggerating for some wages that are paid throughout certain top-flight clubs. So that's a huge loss to have within your playing pool. So then they need to find a way to cover that. You know, do you get a sponsor for it? You know, surely it would be, it would, you know, it would certainly get a pen, plenty of publicity because we're speaking about it continually. I mean, we're speaking about it, we don't even have it. Yeah. So you can imagine it was, there was a sponsor for it. Is there a responsibility then for the old firm clubs? Not a responsibility, a, a question to the old firm clubs because of the money they make from European football and continually, can they put a bit more in and, and take the cost down for the other clubs so mm. it evens itself mm-hmm. out? Whatever way it is, we need to find a way to finance this in and get it in. And we can't bring it in mid-season either. It has to start... Can I jump back in on that? Go ahead. Of course you can. All right, no, it's just quickly, as Craig's was saying there, um, it comes down to cost and such. Like I, I was on a couple of months ago talking to either uh, you, uh, Rob, I, I can't remember who I was talking mm. to, but Barry was on as well. 
And that's the, uh, one of the points I brought up was the fact that our government bodies not doing enough for football, yeah. for our football, for our country. Um, and as he says, our football doesn't get taken seriously. England laugh at us all the time. We're called Farmers League and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Way too standard down there. It's up to our government body as well. As I said at the time, they pay, since pay Tottenham about triple what they pay our league for a sleeve sponsor and what they did sponsor our full uh, four leagues. Yeah. And I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. And I think it's down to the government bodies. They've failed us for a long, long yeah. time. And I think it's a lot on their shoulders as well. And yeah, they could look to us because we've got European football, but at the same time, it's not up to Rangers and Celtic just because we'll get a better team, better uh, finances and stuff that we should be paying for it. But I think it's down to the, the government body, the Scottish football. And I don't mean to pay for it all. I just mean, you know, I think it's a genuine question to ask. Can you pay a little bit more to keep the cost down for the rest? Because, you know, I suppose the I'm saying the old firm have an awful lot more to play for. They don't. But when you consider this season, there's £40 million at stake. That's an incredible... That, you know, that's life-changing for one of the clubs to get that kind of money potential in. But as I said, I don't like the thought process of it coming in mid-season. I think it has to start on the first day because then it means it's a, an uneven playing field that decisions in the second half of the season can be scrutinised with the ones in the first half. So it needs to move quickly, but if the headlines in the back of the papers tell you anything to go by, I don't think we'll have it in for next season. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, Gordon, absolutely. You know, But there needs to be a better connection for me, and this has always been the way between the SPFL and the SFA. Both should be involved in this. Both should be having conversations, getting together, making it happen. And John, making it a top priority. Yeah. Because this really affects the image of Scottish football around the world, doesn't it? The fact that we don't have it yeah. and we're sailing into uh, the end of you know, the season with maybe the biggest pot of gold at the end of it. And we could be susceptible to dodgy decisions on the, on the final weekend to decide who wins this big prize. Absolutely, to take the Scottish Premiership seriously, then you know you've you've got to have um, things put in place like goal line technology for a start. Mm-hmm. Why am Why am Scotland got that? You know why Why aren't haven't Scotland got VAR? Is that not on the referee's watch? The referee the referee's not have that up here. Is that on their watch? Ball crosses well, the line. I'm not well, every, not every yeah, game. Well, I don't think. Maybe yeah, we don't have it in the, so in the league. And also, Gordon, Gordon, you made a great point. Who polices VAR in Scotland? Who's going to police it? Who are going to be the people? Who are going to be the people? Well, you're digging into that bank of referees and and, and assistants. You know, because there's so much, so much say Mm -hmm. up here with the with the with the big two, Celtic and Rangers. So much say on different decisions. He gave that one there that was soft. He gave that one there that was far too soft. Who are we going to be able to trust the people? That, that are behind the screens at VAR because mm. they still don't get it right in England. They don't get it right in, in certain in certain leagues. In the Champions League, you get many wrong. I, I know it gives you a better opportunity mm. to get the decision spot but, on. But there's always an element of interpretation but Gordon, about you, it. You, you mentioned it that when you first come on. Um, you know, they have to get it right. They have to get the people behind the screens to be, you know, sort of people that are... Um, just they've got a balance and it's referees maybe... it's current referees mm-hmm. that, that's, yeah. that's, who, yeah. that's who does it yeah. from where? from England? no no from Scotland you can't just bring in you can't just create another 30 guys to do VAR it's the same guys in England yeah. who are behind the VAR yeah, who refereed the got, following Saturday you've got the same problem then that you've got now no but they're getting the, but, because you've got but they get another ex-referees and, but they get another and look at and it people will say mm. people will say we get it every single week mm-hmm. we're all on social media 
I can't believe they've given that decision to them. That was really soft. That's never a penalty. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, maybe, maybe you've we got need... to bring outside yeah. people, I think, into the Scottish or, game. Or, or maybe we get full-time referees. We, yeah. you know, we pay them. Because it's going to go we, on and on We get on. them full-time. We, we pay them a decent amount of money and they're accountable yeah. and they improve. But it's cost again. Do you understand? Uh -huh. Bringing another 10 officials from another country. Well, who's going who's gonna to foot that bill? Mm. You know, so the cost's going to keep escalating. They're going to work with the ones that they have and make them better. Full-time referees, which hopefully will make them have better decisions on a more regular basis. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't, still don't believe referees go out of the way to make a decision to upset an, an opposition team, another team. I, I, I still no, can't, I no, can't no. buy into that. It's about being good enough. Sometimes you're just incompetent. You're not yeah. good at what you do. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. What, what do you think, Gordon, about, I mean, is, is, is full-time refereeing, does that come into this conversation as well? Yeah, of course it does. And again, as as the boys are saying, it comes down to cost, but who pays it? But uh, bottom line is, even full-time referees in with VR would make a difference because they would get trained better, they would be full-time, they would, they, would, they would get better training on it. And as they say, I think, I think it would, the only way you would stop the conspiracy theories, especially in Glasgow, and we all know ourselves what it's like, mm. it would need to be outside referees because even if it was Scottish referees, it would still be... It's Because it's still... Uh, perception it's, it's what you perceive it to be so people could still they, people behind the screen could still say they think it's a penalty and we don't so it's still Gordon, that's, that's never going to go away that's always going to be labelled in Scottish football that isn't going to go away by bringing in foreign referees we'll then find a way to work out that their uncle used to live in Govan <laughs> and their auntie and their friend's best mate lived in the, that, in the east end of Glasgow no, that is true it is that, that, that isn't going away unfortunately and you know mm. it may be an issue but it isn't going to go away no matter who the referees are no, and uh, we're going to talk about this forever and ever as well, and let's hope that sooner or later uh, we get VAR and we get better referees as well. Gordon, thanks a lot. Brilliant. Cheers, Cheers. Just a word before we go about the Scotland women's team uh, taking on Hungary uh, in the final match of the Pinatar Cup this evening. It's a it's a 7.30 kickoff, and uh, the Scotland team is Ertha Cummings in goal, Kirsty Smith, Nicola Doherty, Rachel Corsi, Jen Beatty, Sam Kerr, Caroline Weir, Abby Harrison, Jane Ross, Sophie Howard and Kirsty Hansen. So good luck to the Scotland women's team against Hungary. And that is a half past seven kickoff. Thanks a lot to Craggs, who's got his jacket on already. He's halfway out the door. Uh, John's got his beanie on. I think he looks <laughs> as if he's going as well. It's going to be me on my own. But it is the end of the show, to be fair. And we will be back uh, tomorrow night. Barry Ferguson and Davey Proven with me live at five. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only.